Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Monday morning, when you're talking about comparisons, when you're talking about millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in the NFL, there's only one place to start. But is anybody else going to stop in that neighborhood? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Mark Jackson from the NBA on ABC and ESPN is going to join us here in about 10 minutes to talk about All-Star Weekend. Your neighbor, okay. Uh, key, but the one guy and the only guy that's in the zip code right now, many believe, is Patrick Mahomes because the number they see is 503. So I'm just going to put that on the table for you because that's the number we see. And we asked before the break if Dak in any way, shape, or form could creep close to Mahomes' money, but we need a stricter definition of Mahomes' money. <laughs> well, Deshaun Watson is close to Mahomes' money. 39 per year. It's It's – the, the real money in the average, the length of the contract, he went out 10 years, you know. And so you see the 500 number and you go crazy. Oh, my God, oh, my God, they gave him $500 million. Well, they really didn't give him $500 million. There's a portion of that money that's guaranteed. And then as time goes on, they'll come back to him depending on where the salary cap is and what salary cap relief they need from Mahomes, and they'll – restructure the last several years of the deal, bring it forward, give him more guaranteed money. Something that the Green Bay Packers are probably going to be doing with Aaron Rodgers over the next six months trying to figure out how to extend him. So when you start to look at the average of 39, 40, 42, 43, 44, 45 million dollars, that's kind of where Dak Prescott is going to be. If you were on with us earlier or listening to us earlier, and Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager of the New York Jets and Miami Dolphins, astutely said having done contracts before his numbers are going to fall in that hundred million dollar guarantee range over three years so when you start to say on the plus side of things maybe it becomes 125 it may be out of those three years of guaranteed money because jerry jones has plenty of cash to not necessarily give but to give he could give a large portion of that money up front as a signing bonus which is valuable because it becomes present value and that's the sort of things that become important to football players in the NFL. What's my present value? What am I really getting? So if you're going to give me three years at $120, $25 million of guaranteed money, what are you going to give me, 90% of that up front on signing? Or are you going to try to spread it out over the length of the contract? Jerry Jones can afford to do whatever he wants to do because he has cash in hand. And a lot of owners may not, as, as crazy as it may sound, they may not have cash to just write a check for $150 million and just, boom, give it to that Prescott or whatever that number is and say, move on. Arthur Blank did an interesting deal with Julio Jones. Julio Jones signed this $100 million deal, but I believe something like 94% of the money was due up on signing. Yeah, it was like, wow, here you go, man. We're just going to give it to you because I got it to give. Two things, Key. You referenced uh, a little while back in our show about the fact that the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best training staffs there is in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And every time one of these head – training positions come up, Jerry Jones just keeps rewriting those checks. Oh, yeah. What was that line you said, Zubin? Uh, bottom right-hand corner? Oh, yeah. Bob Kraft referred to himself with the players in New England as the um, lower Yeah, lower B-H-R-C, right? right? Yes. Bottom right-hand corner. Right. Like, that's Jerry Jones to me. So, it, if that's the mentality for something like this with the training staff, on top of the other point that you brought up, like when's the last time we've seen the Dallas Cowboys – let one of their star players go. Well, that's what I asked that question as I was I, I blurted it out loudly because I was thinking in my head, when was the last time one of their franchise players, cornerstone players, was not re-signed and they let them just walk? I can't think of one. 
I couldn't think of one. I mean, either. you could say, well, Demarcus Will, Demarcus Will was hurt. Yeah, they didn't think he was coming back from his. I think he had either neck injury or or shoulder injury that that contributed to some neck issues, and they didn't think that Demarcus was going to come back to form. They had got the most out of him. He went on to Denver, obviously won a Super Bowl and had a Hall of Fame career in Denver as well as one in Dallas. So when you think about Troy Aikman, Deion Sanders. And not necessarily Deion, because Deion came over in free agency, but Troy, Michael Irvin, Tony. Emmett Smith, they re-signed, got him his money. It was a slight holdout. Uh, any of the offensive linemen, whether it was Eric Williams or Nate Newton or any of those guys along the way, um, Darren Woodson. I'm just trying to think over time, Tony Romo, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Des Bryant. They, they always, Amari uh, Cooper, they've mm-hmm. always found a way to sign their cornerstone players. It's always a, a jockey in position because it's America's team. It's the Dallas Cowboys. All eyeballs are on everything they do. So the moment that they don't do what we think they should do. I.e. social media account when they came out with a highlight video and that turned into a massive story. And it became a big story because we all felt like they should have put that Prescott on the highlight video and it didn't happen for whatever reason and it became a story. I think the deal gets done when it gets done. Who knows? There's there's certain there's some pressure points along the way at deadlines like tomorrow four o'clock Eastern time is they have to you know franchise tag him or else he'll be a free agent. That's not going to happen. Then there's the start of free agency when you're eating up thirty seven million dollars of the cap. You can't sign certain players in free agency, and maybe they don't think that they want to go out and sign big splashes in free agency right now. Any. Anyway, maybe they say, well, we want to get to – we want the free agent market to kind of dry up so we can get value players and bargains. Maybe that's their approach. We should also mention that free agency, March 17th, 4 p.m. Eastern. So keep that 4 o'clock on the tip. Tomorrow, 4 Eastern for the franchise tag, and then March 17th at 4 Eastern starts NFL free agency in a year unlike any other because for the first time in many, many years, the salary cap is going to be much lower, and teams are going to have to be much more judicious on who they give money to, especially it's going to hurt the NFL's <laughs> – this is the NFL's middle class, right? The $8 million running back, right? And you're not your superstar, not the guy in the rookie deal, but the league's middle all class. All relative, though, Zubin. Right. It's all relative. Right. Who wouldn't love to be in the middle class making $8 million a year? But that's the way the NFL is. You mentioned the Cowboys and Dak are going to sign that tomorrow. Would you sign off on this? And this is what we're asking this morning on our poll question. Mark Jackson is here in three minutes. Essentially, the Baltimore Ravens have put forth a new overtime proposal. It's a little bit convoluted, but we're asking. You're always trying to make everything better, even if it's the NFL and you rule the world. Bottom line, take another sport or the NFL that you don't like the overtime, extra session, whatever they call it, plus time, um, whatever you want and change it, extra minutes, whatever you want to call it. You overtime in a sport that you don't like and how you would modify it. Terrence in Augusta. Is this Augusta, Maine, or Augusta, Georgia? You're on ESPN Radio. Home of the Masters, buddy. How you guys doing this morning? Georgia, good morning. What's up, man? Doing well. Hey, guys, appreciate you taking my call. I enjoy your show, man. been right, uh, listening to sports radio on my way into work for 21 years. You guys are the best of the bunch. I appreciate all you guys do. Um, Thank you, My too. proposal is... Um, uh, it seems kind of disingenuous talking about these long extra quarters. We're adding 17 games, 18 games, and yet we're talking about player safety on the other side of that thing. How about just one more drive? Uh, I would like to change football's uh, sudden death or whatever they're doing now for perhaps just a two-minute drill for both teams, one timeout, maybe a 10-second 
stop is like a two-minute um, warning. So maybe a 10-second warning, give these guys a chance to make a final decision. Don't want to kick, don't want to go for it. But just one two-minute drive for each squad with one timeout and one 10-second warning. That would I like be good. that. That's not bad. I yeah. like that idea. Quick I mean, pace. Because if much like he just said, you're talking about player safety and you want a, another quarter. I mean, like, come on, seriously. Right. It's a great point. Zach in Florida, you're on ESPN Radio. What overtime irks you? How would you change it? Uh, yes. Uh, thanks for taking my call, everyone. Uh, really appreciate it. A little nervous calling in. Uh, good, I just like to change the uh, uh, NFL overtime rules just to college. I mean, it's just really boring. And I think the old, NF time, uh, old NFL rules were actually better with Tim Tebow when they won that playoff game. So that's what I would change, though. And that's interesting because I think to Scott's point on Twitter, how about this? This is sort of following up a little bit of what Zach said. This is him on Twitter. Hit us up, KJZ on Twitter, NFL. I would have regular season games end in a tie after four quarters of play. No overtime. In playoff games, you play a full 15-minute quarter. If the game is still tied, you go to sudden death with no time on the game clock. No. Well, I'm, I'm trying to limit injury. Why do I want to play a full quarter? I don't want to do that. No, not at all. Go, the, the college rule is the best rule. But right? he would say you could limit injury by not having overtime at all during the regular season. What if you played in three overtime it games during the regular season? It doesn't it matter, though, because I'm still playing it in the postseason. You're still giving me another quarter. No, I, I, want, I don't want to do it. Not, not only that, you mess, up, you mess up the standings. A whole bunch of ties and stuff. Uh, no. Hockey, NHL should stretch three on three to eight yes. or ten minutes. It's currently five. That's a lot of yes. wide open ice. That's what they should do. Three <laughs> on three for sure. Eric, make continuous OT if both teams are tied at the end of the first OT and just keep playing till there is a score and eliminate the tie. Ties suck. He doesn't like ties as much as you do. <laughs> both of you are not yeah. on board with that. Coach going for a tie, man, please. How about Dane? Tell me what you guys think about this. More on the NFL. Coin flip for possession of a six to eight minute OT. Play the whole time period. Highest score wins. If still tied after OT, flip a coin for sudden death, second OT, first score wins. That's kind of okay. like that's yeah. kind of like the college almost. Yeah. Similar. Very similar. Kind of like the college. I still like the I still like the the rule that I mean, the Ravens I, presented. I I like that. I like. I mean, the I like I like it. the way it is now. No first one score a touchdown. It's a wrap. I like that one. Uh, you can always score a pick six and run it back the other way too. Nobody says it has to nobody. Be nobody says you can't stop them from scoring. Right. Boom. It could end just like that. Just like that. Boom. It's the end of the NBA's All Star Weekend. I wonder if Mark sold his house. No. <laughs> You know, they used to have uh, celebrity game Friday night, celebrity in quotes, all-star Saturday night with a three-point contest and the dunk contest, and then the crescendo would be the all-star game on Sunday, a whole three days of activity that was scrunched into one. There to watch it along with everybody on TV yesterday was Mark Jackson, the lead analyst, co-lead analyst for the NBA and ABC and ESPN, Jay's partner all the way through the finals. He joins us on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead Goodyear 
more driven. Mark, there was so much talk about the guys just not wanting to be there. They all got there, minus Simmons and Embiid, and it's all over. What did you make of maybe the strangest, most discussed, unique NBA All-Star weekend of the 70 years of this game? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. What I made of it was awfully impressed and glad that I wasn't uh, glad that I'm not the commissioner because I thought there shouldn't be an all-star event considering the situation that we're in as a, as a country. Um, but once again, you know, the, the bubble was pulled off almost flawless uh, with, with, with crowning a championship at the, a champion at the end of it. And then the opportunity to have a one day, I thought it was brilliant to make it one day to, you know, compact it all in one day and make sure guys get in, get out, keep them as safe as possible. It was a lot of fun to watch, uh, very entertaining. And I thought the guys did a tremendous job of showing up, being professional, competing, making it an exciting event. Uh, I was awfully impressed, and, and uh, that's, that's saying a lot. Mark, you, obviously, you know, this is about money too, right, for the league and sponsors and things of that sort. But a lot of the money went to HBCUs. Um, how important was that? For everything, obviously, we've gone through this past year with George Floyd and a lot of the social injustice that we've seen in the country. Extremely important. Great question. You know, you think about who has been on, the, you know, at the forefront of, of leading the way, impacting, you know, uh, you know, our community, and it's the NBA. And to to, to think about watching last night or, or all day yesterday, the events that took place, the way that they they utilized the HBCUs. So the way that they impacted all the people that's going to be, you know, impacted, you know, moving forward with scholarships and job opportunities, the way they saluted the people in the front office uh, of the NBA that come from HBCUs. You look at Robert Covington, the million dollars that he gave to build a, build a facility at Tennessee State, uh, being recognized and, and, and saluted. I mean, across the board, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and it doesn't stop there. That's the great thing about it. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be on air raving about the NBA if I thought it was just a publicity stunt and it was a one-day thing and you get you know the promotion of of acknowledging it and then it stops there. It's a it's a it's a thing that they do, you know, from from day one and continue it year round. So I'm I'm honored and proud to be part of the NBA for all these years and and it was another great day. I feel the same way, Mark. Uh, last night, a lot of great things happened. Giannis won the MVP, didn't miss a shot. But the biggest takeaway of the game for me was how electrifying both Steph and Dame were. So here's a game that I need you to play with me. Don't, you know, don't kill the messenger. Pick one, throw the other one in the trash. Steph or Dame? Who do you take? Man, that's crazy. <laughs> I know, that's I know, sad. Mark, I know. But it's just, it, it, those are, I mean, the way they closed the game last night was crazy. I love both guys. Um, I mean, truly love both guys. Um, uh, my daughter works for the Portland Trailblazers, and Dame is as good as it gets as a player and as a person. Um, Steph Curry, I, I'm going to say Steph, and the reason why I'm going to say Steph is because I had the privilege of coaching him for three years, so it's the right answer. Uh, <laughs> he's a guy that I've been in the foxhole with. So, But both guys, what a, what a performance. I mean, to think, Jay, you was an incredible basketball player. I never thought in a million years I'd see a guy just pull up from half court and it'd be a, a shot as a coach that you say, okay, I, I can live with it. You know, that's, that's a good shot for him. Yeah, but MJ, like, his, guys mechanics, have the game. his mechanics, like he just flings it. It's not even like you know, real shooters, you hold your follow through, you land in the same. He drifts, he moves. It's I've never seen it before. 
<laughs> no, it's comical. It is absolutely comical. But those two guys have, have truly changed the game. And think about what's to come. You know, the way that Magic Johnson changed the game, there was a bunch of guys that ran the point guard uh, trying to emulate Magic. Moving forward, there's going to be a bunch of guys, we already see it, that's trying to emulate the Steph Currys and, 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 and the Damian Lillards of the world. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You don't remember me pulling up from half court making them shots? Uh, Jack? <laughs> no, no, I do, but we were in a small gym. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, that, that is true. We wasn't in that gym. But, hey, Jack, what um, All-Star weekend is over. The Brooklyn Nets obviously made a, a blockbuster sign with Blake Griffin. How will he Im- impact the Brooklyn Nets, if at all, any? Yeah, I, I don't know if we have that answer until we see him. You know, because the Blake Griffin of, you know, a couple of years ago, that's a different story. He's a game changer for them and, and, and makes them even more dominant than we expect with the with Kevin uh, James and Kyrie. But, the you know, we don't know what – Blake Griffin we're getting. The Blake Griffin that has played for the Detroit Pistons this year is not the one that we've become to, you know, accustomed to watching fly through the air and, and make plays. But the one thing that he does do and still has is his high IQ for the game of basketball, his ability to pass and make plays. He knows how to play. Um, so so I think he'll make them better, which is crazy to say. How much better will, will be uh, determined on how much he has left in the tank. What are you most interested in seeing during the second half of the NBA season? Uh, you know, the, the thing to me is I think teams are going to be get, get healthier. Teams are going to, you know, I, the, the thing I said about a month ago is in watching all the teams in this league, I did not see one team that I believe could not be beat. I did not see one team that I say that team is going to win it all and, and, and I don't see anybody beating them. The closest to it now is the Brooklyn Nets, but they still have flaws on the defensive side of the court, which gives them gives the opposition opportunity to beat them in a seven-game series. They would be the favorite, but I think the interesting thing is who gets healthy, who establishes a rhythm. And you look at that Utah Jazz team, they, they were clicking on all cylinders in the first half. And they are a team that, you know, with shooters all around the floor and a home run hitter in, Dan, in, in Donovan Mitchell, unselfishness, they they will make it extremely tough because their their quality on both sides they defend well, and on offense they they are absolutely a machine. MJ, how would you manage the whole Anthony Davis situation, considering that's an injury that it makes us all really worry about long term, uh, obviously health when it comes to anything happening around your Achilles, but also the fact that LeBron James is thirty six years old and you wonder how much time does he have left to play at this caliber, this level. The, the thing I would do is make sure that he's 100%. I'm not putting him on the floor until he's 100%. And there's no reason if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers for me to want to rush him back because if we we have a healthy Anthony Davis, we'll be just fine whether we're the eighth seed, the ninth seed, or the one seed. So the thing that they have to do is continue to you know progress with the, with the role players, uh, get, allow them to gain some confidence, and then make sure that Anthony Davis has the best – possible you know people around him that puts him in position that gives him a chance to come back healthy and whole but he's too valuable to the franchise to this basketball team and 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 being fair to him you don't want you don't want to put him on the floor until he's 100 because that's that's an injury that you don't want to mess with we've seen that movie before and how it ends how special of a job has monty williams done with the phoenix suns considering they're second in the west right now 
Now he's 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 been incredible. And Monty Williams is, is a guy. You know, I'm biased. He's a friend of mine. Somebody I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for. And the job he has done, you know, has been absolutely incredible. You put Quinn Snyder, you put Monty Williams in the discussion for Coach of the Year. You know, to, to me, it's it's a it's a runaway with those two guys. And I would lean today to Monty because to think about before the season, the Phoenix Suns being 13 games over 500 at the halfway point of the season. Somebody gets slapped for saying that. He's done an incredible job, and and he's done it the right way. No doubt. That's a 24 and 11 will get you. And, you know, look, we're all in the storyline business. Mark, I know you're a Nick forever, St. John's guy forever. But at the the end of the day, you're always rooting for great storylines. And right now, Monty's personal story and everything he's overcome to get to this point is about as good as it gets in all of basketball. Second half of the season starts on Wednesday, two games, and then 11 on Thursday. And we're right back at it. Mark, we'll see you on the road to the NBA Finals in, I guess, July. Just another crazy season here in the NBA. Not used to say in July. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you. That's one of the best, Mark Jackson. Quickly, I just wanted to mention, just to veer off of sports for one second, he did mention it, so I just want to mention it today for a lot of people. It's been a day a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, Today, uh, jury selection starts at the George Floyd trial. A lot of people have not uh, noticed Mm. that. It's kind of slipped by a lot of people because it happened so long ago. But uh, jury selection begins today in Minneapolis, and it is going to be televised on court TV. It's going to be like a modern-day O.J. Simpson trial, if you remember that. So we will wait to see what happens with that. On the way, you saw Super Bowl Sunday. Russell Wilson sitting in that box with Sierra and Roger Goodell. There was one person texting him all throughout the game, and that dude is joining us next with on the latest of whether Russell is leaving or staying in Seattle. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Russ, say what you want. Say what you want the Seattle Seahawks to do, whether that's trade you or what they need to do from a player acquisition standpoint. If the Seattle Seahawks are not in the next Super Bowl, someone's going to have to go. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update. He is naming names right now. He is working furiously during the break. He's ranking his top five Duke point guards, and I'm nowhere close in the top five. That's what he's doing right now. Key, come on. Your credibility's on the line. Jay Will's got to be in the top five. He's He's not. Just read Sports Center, man. Let me handle this. Another guy that can shoot (laughs) well, Steph Curry, wins his second three-point shooting contest. He won it in the clutch. (laughs) And then I thought it was really cool. He uh, basically commemorated the win to Clay. Because Clay was banged up and said, hey, Mm. I'm thinking about you, brother. That was pretty cool. DeMonte Sabonis won the skills challenge. Anthony Simons of the Blazers won the slam dunk contest. Team LeBron over Team Durant by 20. The old 170-150 NBA All-Star Weekend. Giannis MVP, 35 points, 16 for 16 from 
the field. Looking at Curry celebrating another three-point championship. Loyola of Chicago is celebrating another trip to the NCAA tournament. Might remember them, the Darlings of 2018 when they broke through, became the last Cinderella Sister to make Jane. It. Yes, remember her? Yes. She was like a bigger story than anybody in the tournament. Oh, they're back so, in it. <laughs> they're back. 75-65 over Drake at Arch Madness, appropriately enough, in St. Louis. In Black History Always today, International Women's Day and it's Women's History Month. Jennifer King, the NFL's first full-time black female assistant coach, joined us in the third hour of the show. You can catch that hour three so cool. of the podcast. It is cool. In January, the Washington football team promoted her from intern to assistant running back's coach and as key mentioned she actually played the game not just coached it but played it for i think you said 14, 14 yeah. years you can find that interview again hour three of the podcast sports center presented by progressive insurance progressives home quote explorers changing the way you buy home insurance now you can go online get a custom quote and save both time and money learn more at progressive.com and for more on this we bring in jay keeps from 710 espn in seattle He's got a great relationship with Russell Wilson. They opened a passing camp together. Jake was a well-traveled college quarterback and was texting with Russell during the Super Bowl when you saw him in that box with Sierra and Roger Goodell. Knows the man well, and obviously there's so much circulating around Russell Wilson at the moment. Jake, good morning. Thanks for waking up We early. need all the dirt, Jake. No, That's about, what we, we need I the was dirt. Gonna let, I was going to let Zubin finish it. I was going to say, we're getting ready to cut to the chase. We ain't going to play political. We're going to just cut to the chase. I Give us know what's what going you on. know. Yes, there it is. It. Good, go for it. Good morning, guys. Good to be with you, and uh, I'll give you what I can. All right. All right. Cool. We like it. <laughs> What's the worst case scenario for the Seahawks? Worst case scenario is that this this rift between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and crew uh, it doesn't get rectified, and through that time, uh, eventually they decide that it's best to part ways. And uh, I think that this year there's a lot of speculation as to what could what could happen with Russell's $39 million dead cap hit, all these different things. But the reality is, is that if you're going to move on from Russell Wilson, you're going to be in a rebuilding type of mode. There's only one possible way that they could get any quarterback that's anywhere near the style of play and the level of play of Russell Wilson. And that would be in a three-way trade situation with Team A and the Houston Texans, which is, as you know, guys, is, is extremely, extremely rare in the NFL. Uh, that would be worst-case scenario uh, for the Seahawks. I believe that they, they eventually say, hey, we're, we're, this is too much. We're going to part ways with Russell Wilson. Uh, we're going to accept a trade from the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, or the Las Vegas Raiders, the New Orleans Saints, and they do not get – a quality quarterback in return. Therefore, they are now in rebuild mode, and uh, and they quickly realize that it's not so easy to win without a franchise quarterback. Yeah, if I trade Russell Wilson to Chicago, I'm in, I'm going to need a third team to play in there because I I can't end up with not having a quarterback if I'm letting that be. What what's the best case scenario, Jake? The best case scenario, guys. This is honestly the craziest part about all of this is that they were 12 and four last year. They were 12 and four as a team. They legitimately uh, could have been 14 and two uh, had they finished better down the stretch in a couple games. And the best case scenario, in my opinion, is that they keep the band together. They find a way through this difficult year uh, of COVID uh, and, and a limited cap space that they find a way creatively to extend uh, key starters. They find a way to restructure deals of Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. 
uh, they are able to keep everybody together, open up enough cap space where they are able to legitimately add star talent at the offensive line position, which is where the the, the friction is right now, uh, is is in offensive line acquisition. And so they could go out and get a, a player like Corey Lindsley, a player like Joe Tooney, all pro, an all-pro type of player that is playing at a very high level at the offensive line position. They go in the second round and they get a very talented offensive lineman as well uh, in this deep, deep offensive line group in the draft. They solidify the protection for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. In a division, guys, that you look at the three other teams in this division, they've got some legit pass rush. And uh, that's the way that they have all tried to combat having Russell Wilson within their division. The Seahawks make moves of their own to try to counteract that. And you see this team go and win the division again, uh, compete for uh, the the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, I think that is the best case scenario. Russell signed a contract uh, extension, Jake, a couple years ago. Why all of a sudden he's like, I don't know, showing us a different side? Is it because of Deshaun Watson? Is it because of Aaron Rodgers that now he feels like, okay, they flex their muscles, I need to flex mine? You know, Keyshawn, it's a great question. At this point, I think for Russell, and uh, this has been – there's a lot of history between – him and the Seahawks, and it's not all bad. It, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of good, but I would say that in the five in the five years since they've been to the Super Bowl, there has been a common denominator for Russell Wilson, and that has been the fact that the Seahawks, as a group, uh, every single year has typically been towards the bottom in pass protection. And I'm not talking like hanging around 15th, Keyshawn. I'm talking towards the bottom of you know, anywhere between 28th to 32nd Um, in positional spending. They've typically around the offensive line position have been the same type of thing. And now you're looking at a quarterback at 32 years old who can still move around, but not the same way that he used to when he was younger. And, and I believe that the organization has, and did, did make decisions thinking that, Hey, Russell Wilson's one of the great erasers in football. He can, if the offensive line isn't handling uh, handling protection great, Russell Wilson can make them right, and he's done a great job of that over the years. But I believe that he he wants to see that change. They went out and they hired a new offensive coordinator, which I believe that will extremely help in Shane Waldron. And now you have another phase of this, which is offensive line acquisition via the draft, via free agency. And, uh, and I think that's really where this, this friction point is, is Russell Wilson not wanting to sit back and hope that things will change in that direction, but trying to create some urgency there. Jake, let me ask you this, because as Russell Wilson's private quarterback coach and host of 710 ESPN Seattle, you know the quarterback position. And the West Coast offense bringing over the young man Shane from the Los Angeles Rams, the ball has to come out quick. Three-step drop, in rhythm, back foot, gone. Stick nods, hitches, things of that nature, slants, three, get it out. But Russell holds on to the ball awfully long. Can he, can he change that at this stage in his career, knowing that this is a style offense they're bringing in? Yeah, absolutely. And he's excited for that challenge. He's excited for that opportunity. Um, and, and Keyshawn, the thing is, as you go and look back and watch the film and, and watch this offense over the – over the years, over nine seasons for Russell Wilson, 
I think one of the biggest aspects of it, and that's why pass protection is so big, is you go back, and I remember the years of 2016 and 17, where there really wasn't a pocket to step into. And so I think that as a quarterback, to have that type of protection that guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes uh, typically have had over the over their careers, I think will, will greatly help with that aspect. The other part of it in those schemes is it's different from what he's had over his nine seasons. They have been very reliant on the deep pass uh, as an offense, as a, as a system. And so they have been extremely reliant on his ability to hold on to the ball, extend, make plays, uh, pass the ball downfield. And so that's why this conversation of sacks and what has he taken, what has he not, there, there's certainly he is a part of that equation, no doubt, Keyshawn. But I believe that he, the, the biggest complaint of this offense as a whole is, is a serious lack of uh, creativity in the short to intermediate pass game. And now you're bringing an offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron that I think is going to really change that. And I think it's gonna, you're going to really see something special uh, from Russell Wilson if they're able to get by all of the friction that uh, they currently have right now. Hey, man, you have a close. He didn't tell ear. us anything. <laughs> That's why he's a good friend. That's why he's a good friend. You've got as close of an ear as you possibly can. As I mentioned, sitting there on Super Bowl Sunday when Wilson looked a little glum, sitting there in the box, I should be out on the field like Mahomes and Brady as he was texting Jake. So, obviously, there's some great intel and hope to have you back if this has some sort of resolution with Seahawks fans hoping there is no resolution. The story is over and he stays in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Jake, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Jake. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. All right, Jackie. One quick piece of breaking news. This from Dan Graziano, or Dan Graziani, as uh, Key would call him. Graziani. This is from some sources that Dan has. The NFL and the NFL Players Association continue to work towards finalizing a 2021 salary cap number. The union, the players, prefer to wait until the new TV deals are finalized. Due to that uncertainty, because they're not done, there are discussions about pushing back Tuesday's deadline for teams to use the franchise tag. Remember last year, the NFL pushed back the tag deadline because the CBA hadn't been finalized yet. Key, we know the floor is 180, but we don't know what the max number is going to be. And if we don't know what that number is going to be, we might not be able to establish the franchise number in its entirety. Might as well wait. What's the rush, right? Push it back, see what the numbers are. TV deal comes in. Here's the TV money. Here's the salary cap number. Now I can start franchising guys or negotiating long-term with guys because I know what type of number I have. Yeah, we flirt out the 180 number, but what if that number all of a sudden becomes 190 right. or 170? So you got to wait. Right. So there's the answer to why no one has been franchised tag yet. Speaking of those TV contracts, that number may go up. How much are you pitching in? Uh, t- nope. You're the president. You're the CEO, not me. Max value. I can't fellas. tell anyone what we're negotiating with the National <laughs> Football League at the present moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, make sure you get those streaming rights, though. That's big coming down the stretch. That's big coming down the stretch. They're saying 10 years, max $100 billion from all the I'm together. not telling you what I know. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like Jake Heaps. You're good at keeping <laughs> secrets. Just a reminder, all of our guests like Jake were on the Goodyear Hotline. Today on the ESPN Daily Podcast, I'm a big fan of history. And if you're a big fan of history, today's your day. Guess what? 50 years ago, for the first time, 50-year anniversary of the first fight, the fight of the century, Muhammad Ali and Smokin' Joe Frazier, Madison Square Garden, on this date in 1971, Transcended Sports had a lasting legacy. That's on the ESPN Daily Podcast. Listen on your favorite podcast app, and Key will remember, 
with Ali refusing conscription to the Vietnam War and smoking Joe Frazier being an establishment guy, being for the war. Frazier won the fight. Unbelievable. Ali's first loss. Everything detailed on the fight of the century on the ESPN Daily Podcast. Yeah, I was wondering who won the fight because I saw Ali look like he got tagged. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, I hope he didn't lose, win the fight, and they put that picture up there. Remember back in the day, they fought 15 rounds. There's yeah. a reason they called them Smoke and Joe, for a reason. Man, Once again, rounds. back in the day, back Legs in the day. <laughs> On the way, it's the one guy that's the biggest show in sports right now. And unless you're watching this sport, you probably don't even realize it. After Jay has this from Indeed. As a business owner, trust me, I know this, time is your most valuable resource. That's why Indeed has Instant Match. Post a sponsored job and Indeed instantly searches millions of resumes in their database to deliver candidates who best fit your job description. How easy is that? You want to go beyond the resume? Choose from over 135 skills tests to challenge applicants on hard skills like computer proficiency or soft skills like customer service. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. If you're not a golf fan, this may be a little surprising to you, but with everything going on with Tiger Woods and honestly the possibility that he may never swing a club again, there's been talk forever on who's going to be the next guy. Is it going to be Rory McIlroy? Is it going to be Jordan Spieth? Is it going to be Brooks Kepka? The answer to this question if you care at all about somebody that's a casual golf fan, you know, the droves of people that Tiger brought in that nobody else ever could, the answer to this question could be yesterday's winner on the PGA Tour. Young man by the name of Bryson DeChambeau. And if you're, again, a casual golf fan. Boom! Yeah, boom is right. But if you play golf like Jay and you've watched this guy, he could be the reason. Hear me out, Keith. Hear I'm listening out. to you. I'm not <laughs> he I'm doesn't listening believe to I you. play golf. I'm not. Go, oh, man. Don't worry about my so facial expressions. On the longest courses and the longest holes on those courses, DeChambeau is known as a guy that's really yoked. He's bulked up huge over the last year. I mean, absolutely huge. He looks like one of those Marvel superheroes that we have here hmm, at Disney. So he's in a situation where when he goes to a par five, longest hole on a course, uh-huh. he just sits there and tries to rip it. 
Yesterday, he tried to do it, or over the weekend, he tried to do it at Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer's tournament on the uh, par 5, 6 hole, which is like a big hole there. He drove it 377 yards, leaving himself 88 yards on an approach shot, on a par 5, 88 to the pin. The crowd, and golf has crowds now, is going crazy for this. The second club face hits ball, you see people going nuts. It is changing the way golf is played, and it is absolutely like watching a home run derby. This sounds strange, but for golf fans, this is like watching McGuire and Sosa take BP. Like, you have to be there. So, he swings out of his shoes. I mean, he'll tell yeah. you to keep your stance cemented like he swings out of the stance yeah and like you know when you're when when Steph would do those warm-up routines before the Warriors were in their heyday it's like a can't miss moment so if you're watching a tournament and Bryson's about to be at a par five followed on your phone that is a stop moment for golfers there's not a lot of people that can make you stop right now to do anything in the world of sports unless you're in the NFL everybody else is having difficulty attracting attention when this guy steps up to a par five anything is possible. The PGA Tour is in its Florida swing yeah, right now, easy. no pun intended, and this guy's swing is changing the way some people watch the sport. Is that anything? If I, if you're flipping by this weekend, you're watching, and you see him, and it says Deshambo, par five, tee shot, was it enough to watch? No. No, still no. No, nah, I'm, I'm not a golf guy like that. I mean, I have to take lessons from Jay, little BJ Singh over here who wants to. <laughs> Chime in commentary about what? how hard it is with his stance. And so, Zuba, I, I got a chance to play Baltistraw one time with, wow. with, with the Black Knight. Legendary right? course in New Jersey. Yeah, with Black oh. Knight, Gary Player, who's, what, 83, 84 yeah. years old. Still as fit as can be. And I'm watching the torque on his body when he swings. You're playing around. I'm yeah. saying, like, you're 83 years old. You still have that kind of torque on your swing? So then I go to, to Shamble. I'm like, how do you it, – it's amazing sometimes. You know, Key talks about, hey, if you threw 1,000 passes to him, he could probably catch 965 with his hands, right? Like, because his hands are still like that. Or with Steph, the range, the feel, you like shoot from half court, turn and face the other way. Like, what the Shambo's doing right now, I mean, that, that's the next iteration of the golfer. It, it, it's really incredible. Like, Tiger, did Tiger have 370 Nothing like yard this. drives. And by the I way, think, I'm glad he had you a mentioned 300 Tiger. before a couple times. Oh, no, he's had three, three, three is easy. Yeah, three is easy for him. Yeah, right. But 370 is you're close hitting to- like a pitching wedge on a par five for your second shot. That's like unbelievable. Well, I'm going to use the sand trap. All right, move along. <laughs> sand wedge would be better. You could be in the sand trap using a sand wedge. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use the sand trap. He's at the 19th bar, just doing all the commentary. He's ready 19th to go. Hole. Two things we should mention. I'm glad you mentioned Tiger. Tiger actually texted Deshambo yesterday and said, oh, "Good luck. Let it go." Text. Yeah, good stuff. That's and awesome. the other thing too is it's the conversion. The next major is the Masters, which is about a month away. And the question is, can somebody, and I know we played the Masters last November, can somebody, remember when Tiger ripped apart the Masters, they quote-unquote Tiger-proofed it, right? He almost made a mockery of the most hallowed grounds in golf with his scores, the 12-shot win. Mm -hmm. DeChambeau, now the question is, can you win, now he's obviously won a major championship, can you win multiple major championships, including the Masters, playing this style, the grip it and rip it style? I would mention he won the event by putting. So there's an old saying in golf, as Jay knows, drive for show. Putt for dough. Pitch and putt for dough. You I will say, Zuba, money, I was putt. wrong. Tiger Woods 2002 unleashed a 498-yard bomb on the 18th hole so of the you Mercedes go. Championship. But, but consistently, every time wow. DeChambeau steps up, right? Well, that's, I mean, obviously he's working out to a whole other level, and then, so it goes to show you when you have that strength and whatever it is that Jay was talking about with the stance and the balance and the torque and the twisting of the hips and things of that nature, you can certainly be – a top dog, like these top dogs from Duke, 
at the guard position. See, Bobby Hurley, uh, Ty Jones, Johnny Dawkins, Greg Paulus, and Quentin Cook. Quentin <laughs> Cook. Quentin right? Cook. Qu- Quentin His Cook. name is Quentin Cook. Quentin we, call, Cook. we don't call him Quentin Cook for the sake of the exercise. Quinn. <laughs> Quinn Cook. Speak, you, All top guards. You named, you named, uh, you named uh, five guards. How about two guards here? Jay, you asked this question earlier. Who did you start a franchise with? You asked it to Mark Jackson. You threw it down the gauntlet. Steph or Damon? By the way, it's a runaway. Who do you think won? Steph. Steph. 70.3%. Wow. Yeah, see, see, people like Steph, though. It's crazy. They, they, but they like Steph. They don't really like Dane because he got that, you know. He, I know, but it's the same like when the game started, Dane was on the bench. And I know I know, Dane was like, man, you got me on the Speaking bench. Speaking of guards like, better than Jay, Seth like, that's, Curry. It's crazy. I got you at a tight seven, though, at the guard Thanks. spot for Duke. Quentin. Quentin Cook. Thanks, Quentin. Quentin, Quentin. Jeez. Quentin Cook.